Hi, I'm Danny Rincon, and you're listening to the Functional Tennis Podcast. Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. I'm Fabio Molly, your host. This week, I speak to 18-year-old Danny Rincon. Danny recently played his last ever boys junior match, winning the US Open Boys Grand Slam, and he's now making the transition to the men's tour. We talk about that victory. We talk about training at the Rafa Nadal Academy, as well as training with Rafa, advice he's received from Rafa, as well as offering advice to junior players around the world. It's a great follow-up episode after last week's episode with Liam Brody, who was also world number two junior, multiple slam finalist, double slam winner, and had high expectations moving into the Pro Tour. If you haven't checked that episode out, check it out after this one. As usual, a shout out to our podcast sponsor, Slinger, who make the awesome portable ball machine, the Slinger Bag. As I mentioned before, the Christmas orders are ramping up. So if you've planned to surprise anybody or yourself with a Slinger Bag for Christmas Day, get ordered now at slingerbag.com. Okay, here's Danny. Hi, Danny. Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. How are you? Hi. Hello. I'm good. Thank you. You? Great. Yeah. Good to have you on. Just US Open Junior Slam champion. You've won a lot of junior tournaments. You're number two in the world, juniors, and you've a great career ahead of you. You're hitting the challenger, so can't wait to find out all about that. But first of all, tell us, what was it like winning a junior Grand Slam? Well, it was obviously an amazing feeling. So happy when when I got the victory, but also, I know, I mean, I realize of how lucky I am to have the team that that work with me every day. And, and yeah, it was happiness, but also I was thankful for everything that was coming to me. Nice. And has that given you more fire to work even harder now? Yeah, sure. Like I see that if I play good, uh, I, have, I have chances to play at a high level. So I just want to keep working, keep rising my level and hopefully make it to the Pro Tour one day. Nice. And you don't play a typical Spanish game. You don't sit back at the back of the court all day. I know the Spanish game has changed a lot since, you know, 15, 20 years ago. You, you play. You like to play attacking game. Tell us about your game. Yeah, well, I play a bit different, I think, than like the common Spanish players. I grew up playing in indoor hardcore on altitude. So, well, I got used to... You know, play a bit faster, not many, not so many rallies, trying to come in and close the points at the net as many times as possible. And well, during the last years, like I kind of, you know, changed my tennis a bit to the play court, like not so much, but now I'm staying much more at the back than before. But yeah, I still, I still like uh, short points, trying to return and go to the net or surf and go to the net. And well, that's, I think, one of my my weapons and I try to use it as, as much as I can. Nice. And just throwing it back to the US Open, I know you mentioned the word team. When you were over there, what sort of team did you have with you? Right now, the academy? No, when, when you're at the US. Ah, sorry. We were two players from the academy, so we had one coach with each of us. So yeah, I had my, one of my tennis coaches that I have here came with me to, to the US. And that was it, no trainers, no psychologist, just you and the coach? Well, I spoke to them daily, you know, on the phone, uh, video calls and everything, but just one of them traveled with me. Nice. And looking at the draw, you actually, it looked like you had a 
not a, started hard, but then you were playing pretty well. You were dispatching your opponents quite easily. Yeah, I remember, well, the first round was pretty tough. I didn't have much rhythm. I came from, I don't know if it was two months without competition. I played the week before one match in, in a tournament, but that was all I played and it was kind of a rough start. But then I started feeling better and better. And I think since the day of the semifinals, it was, I think, a really high level for me. And that's what gave me the victory in the end. And going into it, what were the expectations first round? What, did, what would you have been happy with leaving the tournament with? I mean, I always want to win. I think like everyone in tennis and in sports, you always want to win. But I took that week a bit differently. Uh, as I told you, it was two months without competition. So the main thing for me was playing with no pain. And well, I saw the weeks before practicing that I had no pain. So I started thinking that I could do well in the tournament, but I never expected to win. It was just going day by day. And maybe the last two days I realized where, where I was. And the finals, it was a bit different. I saw the final and I was like, Oof, I'm, I'm nearly there, but it was still a, a tough opponent, a tough match. Nice, nice. I, I can only imagine, like, at what stage did you feel the most pressure? Was it the semis when you thought about the final or was it in the moment in the final? Well, I didn't really feel much pressure because I tried to forget about everything. I felt a bit more nervous, I think, in... In the third set in the semifinals, I was leading 4-0 or 4-1 in the third set and I started feeling a bit more nervous than, than during the whole week, but I didn't feel much pressure, actually. That's good that, you know, you can probably play your best tennis when you don't feel too much pressure, just a little. But what was it like coming back to your training base at the Rafa Nadal Academy with the trophy? Well, it was amazing. There was, the day I came back, there was like a huge line of, of people, of friends and every, and everyone, almost everyone in the academy just for the welcome back and everyone congratulating me and of course super happy and well, I take that as well maybe it has the same importance for me as winning, a, as winning the trophy it's also that seeing my friends and everyone were happy for me it's, it's an amazing feeling too Nice. And so how long have you been training at the, the Nadal Academy? This is my third year I'm starting. I came in September 2019 and now I'm starting my third year. And what's life like over there? Well, it's it's nice. It's really nice, but it's tough as well. We practice a lot. We wake up early. We have well, tight schedules also with the school. But yeah, I mean, many people here want to become pro. So it's a great environment to, to work. And just let our listeners know, what's a typical training day look for you there? Um, well, we have two different weeks. For example, this week we start playing tennis at 8, from 8 to 11. Then 11 to... I do a bit more now this year. I do 11 to 1 gym. And then in the afternoon I play tennis at 4, 4 to 5.36. And maybe, maybe two or three days a week I do more gym in the afternoon. Oh, wow. That's, that's, that's a lot of work. And you're doing a bit of get massage work as well. Yeah, of course. I like maybe between, in between the morning and afternoon sessions, I go to the, to the physios or sometimes if I don't have time, I go, I go after the tennis training in the afternoon, but around three or four times I go to the physios a week. Nice. And you're living on site there? Yeah. There's a residence here and we all live on site. 
Nice. And how many, who are you train? Do we know anybody you're training with on a daily basis? I know you train with Rafa the odd time. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But who are your daily span partners? Well, that's a really big group, actually. We're like 10, around 10, 15 players in the group. Last year, we had seven players who went to Division One in college in the United States. And this year, there are a bit younger players who are in the around 300, 400 ITF juniors and four or five guys who are 1,000 ATP. But yeah, it's, they are great players and we are all friends, so it's, it's good to practice. Good competition. I know I've seen the video videos of you training with Rafa. Is is he your hero, first of all, or, or who is your who's the player you idolized growing up? Yeah, he's my idol. Like I always watch his matches and... And I took him as a reference since he was lefty and I was lefty. I thought I could be like him. Now now I realize it's really, really tough and almost impossible, but he's still my idol. And what was it like the first time you... Do you remember the first time you stepped on court with him? Yeah, I remember it was... Well, it was... I don't know. I wouldn't say hard for me, but it was... I don't know. I was, I was really nervous because, you know, it's a guy that I saw on TV for 10, 15 years and having him in front of you, it's... I don't know, it's really, it sucks you, but then he's a really nice guy, a, a really good person who always tries to help. So it's super nice and really good for the players to practice with him. And has it got easier or is it still really hard? Well, now it's a bit easier. I saw him for the last two years and I think he knows me more or less and it's a bit easier to walk on court with him. Tell me, what's it like when you do hit with him? What's his ball like, his intensity like? It's it's on a whole different level than than what I'm used to. When you see guys like this on TV, it looks easy because they play. When Rafa plays Djokovic, you see both of them hitting like kind of comfortable the ball. But then you walk on court with them. You're in front of him. The ball comes and you're just struggling to to get it back to him. But yeah, it's it's great for us. We see the level. We see what we have to work on, and it's also inspiring for for everyone. And tell me, the days you train with him, do you sleep better at night time? The day before, if I know I'm going to practice with him, not really. <laughs> but the, 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 day, the night after? It's pretty tiring, yeah. <laughs> I could only imagine. And like, has he, has he given you a few lefty hints? I wouldn't say lefty. I would, I would say just hints. It's just about the movement and about intensity. So it can apply to, to everyone. And what's the biggest bit of advice you've learned from him so far? I would say the movement. Like he always puts so much attention into into moving forward and back on the court, never stay, never staying on the same spot to hit the to hit two balls in a row. And that's something I'm trying to work on. I've been trying to work on this since since I was little. But now I realize that if I want to play on the on the tour and against guys like this, it's it's impossible to not play to play if you're if you're not moving well. Yeah, and I think movement is one of the most important assets. You need to have good movement. Join over ten thousand people who have downloaded our free match and practice PDFs over at functionaltennis.com forward slash downloads. Our match and practice PDFs help you plan and evaluate your matches and practices. We have some other free downloads there for you too. So make sure you go over to functionaltennis.com forward slash downloads. And have you practiced with Casper Ruud? Yeah, I played with him once. I played with him before going to Roland Garros. 
I got the chance to play with him and he's really nice, really, really nice guy. If you see him in the street and you didn't know he was a tennis player, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say he's, he's a top 10 player right now. He's super humble and yeah, a great player, obviously. Yeah, we had him on here at about 10, 15 episodes ago. So anybody listening wants to check it out, they can check it out. Super nice. Do you play golf? I play sometimes, yeah. Uh, I, I like it a lot, but I don't have much time now in the academy to go. But whenever I have a few hours, I just go and hit some balls. That's it. That's your, you only hit balls. No other hobbies or? Well, I don't really have time for much hobbies. I go, I go out with friends, maybe for, for dinner. But yeah, that's all, that's all I do. And where are you originally from? You said altitudes. Are you from Madrid? Yeah, well, I was born in Madrid and when I was one year old, I think my parents moved to Avila. And it's a thousand two hundred meters of altitude, so that's how I got used to it. <laughs> well, you love the altitude, great. And just something about what sort of your team we, as I said to you before this, we had last week Liam Brody on the podcast, and Liam was like yourself. You're number two junior world. He was number two junior world. He didn't win a Grand Slam singles. He won some doubles. You won the singles, but he had expectations. You know, high expectations, pressure, and he struggled to quickly move into the top of the men's game. How are you going to deal with that? Just having a good team around you help. What advice do they give you for moving forward? Yeah, well, they, as you said, many people can have high expectations after doing great in juniors. But yeah, I'm lucky to have the team I have around. I have a psychologist with me. I have two different tennis coaches, um, a fitness coach, a physios, and they are, they are all in the same line that I've got to keep working as I did until now in and yeah and obviously there are expectations i want to i want to become pro get to the top 100 first and then just climb climb positions but i don't have to to put too much attention on that my goal is to become a better player every day on court and that's what they all try to focus on on and and that's what i have to do i have to forget i have to try to forget about everything that is around me and just focus on the tennis court, which is the the all important thing right now. Nice. The good advice there. And yeah, you're getting good advice. And also, is the junior career over now? Is it straight on to the men's tour? Yeah, yeah, yeah. US Open was my last tournament and now moving into the future, some challengers. And that's the the plan that we have. And I've I've seen you've played a few challengers already. How's the Level. How would you describe to somebody listening who may not have played tennis at a high level the difference between junior level and challenger level? Oh, that's that's a good question. Obviously, the level is it's much higher in juniors. You're playing against top hundred players under eighteen. In challengers, we're playing against top 300, 400 guys, but any age who may have been top five, top ten in juniors years before. Well, they're. I think they are a bit better in everything. Their bodies are, they're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster. And then in the, in the game, they're, they're a bit more solid, especially in important moments. In the junior, in the junior tour, you feel like sometimes in a 30 year they can miss because they get tight in, in a challenger or even a future. If when the 30 year comes, there's, there's no errors. It's just winners or, or maybe serves. And I think that's, that's one of the reasons why I didn't do so good. In these last three challenges, I still to get used to this. Obviously, I have so much, so so many things to improve. But yeah, it's little things, but 
so many little, little things that make the difference in the end. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of hours on the court, putting in the work for those little things. And where do you see yourself? You're 18 now. So in five years, where would you like to see yourself? I would like to see myself, obviously, playing the, the big tournaments, being already confirmed in the tour, playing the big tournaments every every week and traveling traveling every every week. But still, as, as I said before, this is maybe putting some pressure on myself. So I just focus on what I have to do today, tomorrow, the, the week after, and taking the smaller steps that uh, hopefully they are going to lead me to something bigger. Great advice. And just last question for you. Uh, obviously, you're a role model at the Rafa Nadal Academy. You're, you know, who you are. You've won tournaments. You're a great junior. You've, you know, and what advice do you give the younger kids, the 12, 13, 14 year olds who come into the Rafa Academy when they ask you for advice? What do you say to them? Well, the, the main thing I say to them is what people told me when I was 12, 13, 14 is enjoy, enjoy everything you do. In the end, you, you are 12, 13, you don't know if you're going to be a tennis player or even, I don't know, a football player. You, you're, you're super young and you have to enjoy what you do. But also I will tell them to put, put the effort and everything they can into it. Because if you don't put 100%, you're not giving yourself chances to do to do good in something. And I think it's very satisfying to know that you've given your 100%. So that's the main thing I would tell them. Danny, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. I wish you all the best in the transition to the pro game and hope to see you on the main stage over the next few years. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Really hope you enjoyed that episode. Danny seems to be doing the right things. He's following the right advice. Let's hope we see him on the big stage over the next few years. I'll be back next week and until then get out there and hit some tennis balls. Ciao.